when the energy disbands and you independently stand up for what you believe to resonate with your soul, you will have leadership. Go dummy, go beast, oh no. I go beast. Go deep, I OG, oh no. What's up? It's your man B. Holmes back with another episode of Doors to Success, where I'm your host, B. Holmes, and I lay out the B print, which teaches you how to knock, open, and conquer the different avenues of success to the doors in your life. So, very excited about this episode. I mean, it's just really fun sitting here right now because it's been almost a month since I've done this, and I've really missed it. Um, it's been fascinating to, you know, to go away from something because in those moments is when you, you realize, you know, what you like or didn't like or what you love or what you miss of something, you know, when, when absence makes the heart grow fonder or makes it want to get yonder. Right. So, um, what I've realized and what I've learned and what I didn't expect was that, um, in preparation for doing these podcasts, um, two things have happened. Two things have been subsetted or have been, you know, subsequent, um, you know, um, things that have happened because of the podcast. The first one is that I have uh, the amount of preparation that goes into them really keeps me sharp on giving me, you know, great content to talk about with my family or my kids and the or my teams or people that I'm teaching or mentoring or coaching or whatever. Um, I always have great, you know, valuable information. And so I've really appreciated having everything ready and available on my toes. Cause I'm learning and seeking to have stuff prepared for this. The second thing that it's done is um, I have been more aware of observing things to be grateful for and learning what I can bring to the table, you know? And so I have missed that. And I've, I've learned that I'll be like, Oh, that's something I want to share on the podcast. Oh, that would be something cool. And so that were, those are two things that I've really missed. Um, so before we get into this any farther, uh, it's been on my, it's been a long time and we definitely need to give a shout out to Red Bull, the unofficial sponsor of the B print and doors to success. So, here we go. Thank you, Red Bull, for keeping us hydrated, energized, and moving on the door to success. So, super stoked about this episode because I've been thinking a lot about what I can bring to the table. What, what can make this different? How do I bring value to something, to, of something to this audience, to if you're listening what can I bring? And something has happened this past week that really makes me really like, hey, I want to talk about that and have brought it to the forefront. There's been some other things that have happened with some of my teams and the recruiting battles that have happened that have brought this topic up again. And also, I, I've been asked to speak and be one of the um, workshop trainers at Door to Door Con five. So shout out to Sam Tagger, really excited about this. And so I've been spending time thinking about how to add and bring a ton of value to door to door con really excited about door to door con. 
um, and I'll be, I'll be training on recruiting. And so the topic that's kind of gone hand in hand with this that I am really excited to talk about, and I wanted to do it, I wanted to do it different. I wanted to bring something totally different to the table, um, and, and do it a little bit different. And so I'm really excited. This is like my favorite topic of all time. And we are going to discuss leadership and how leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And instead of reading a bunch of quotes, instead of regurgitating a bunch of good one-liners and talking about leadership, I'm actually going to share a story that I observed and I was a part of that will bring something that you couldn't learn in a book. Um, you know, there's a lot of great books out there I've read on leadership, and it's probably the one thing that's changed my entire view on everything. There's probably, it's the one thing that really let me know that this was what I wanted to do. Sales was what I wanted to do for a living because I could actually create leadership groups, and I could choose how to outline those and, and create those, and I could be a leader um, in sales and design it however I wanted to. And I just thought it was like the ultimate uh, leadership experience. And it has been. Um, so leadership is great, but there's a lot of books out there. And I was just going through some of my favorite books on leadership. Um, favorite leadership book of all time, the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership from John Maxwell. Um, the five levels of leadership from John Maxwell leaders eat last by Simon Sinek, uh, the winner's manual by Jim Trestle, uh, extreme ownership by Jocko, the Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. The One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard. Um, Shoe Dog. Uh, Urban Way by Urban Meyer. Um, Phil Knight did Shoe Dog. Those are my favorite books on leadership. Um, a lot of great quotes, too. And again, I, I didn't want to, um, you know, just regurgitate someone else's thoughts on leadership or you know, give you guys what other people say about leadership. So there are some really good quotes, though. And I think that um, it helps your mind thinking about leadership because how would you define leadership? I mean, there's been so many examples, but I think this last experience that I had this past week really helps me redefine what I think leadership is. After 15 years, I'm redefining leadership for myself. Um, and leadership from John Maxwell's writings is what determines the person's ability to be effective. Um, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less is what he says. Um, personal success without leadership ability brings limited effectiveness um, the true measure of someone's leadership is their influence and the proof is in the pudding. Your pudding is your followers. Um, the proof of leadership is found in the followers. Um, the other things you can't have, you can have courage and still suffer without leadership. So no matter what other things you think you have, if you aren't a great leader and you don't have great influence, then you don't have anything. I'll tell you this. I've learned that when you run the race of life or in business or family and you get to the ending, the finish line, and you're by yourself, you haven't led anyone to the finish line. There's no one with you. There's no team with you. You're standing there alone. 
that was a really long race that you'll wish you would have done with somebody, that you'll wish you would have had people there and you wish you would have been a better leader. Leadership is measured by how well you take care of your people. Um, and trust is the foundation of leadership. And in our industry, in sales and in speaking and communication, the currency of great communication is trust. So if trust is the foundation of leadership and the currency of communicating is leadership or is trust, how do you go build great leadership or trust in 12 minutes or in 12 years, right? You could either make or break it. And I've had people, as I've been discussing this with people, say, hey, you can't build great leadership in 12 minutes. And I'd beg to differ. And um, I'm going to use a story that I just observed to try to, to example, exemplify this principle of leadership. So very, very awesome story. I've got, I'm blessed. I'm super blessed because I am a dad of two girls and two boys. So I get to observe the, the polar opposites, right? The polarity in raising children. And my family goes, I've got a girl who's 15, a boy who's 13, a girl who is nine, and a boy who's seven. So six, sorry. So we are like, I got girl, boy, gap, girl, boy, and they're the same difference in age, right? So we really have, I had, we had like two shots at a girl, boy, and, and a girl, boy, <laughs> like opportunities to raise them. And luckily, um, my family is, we're a huge football family, like for me, luckily for me. We love to watch football. My sweet, my, my wife is the best. She, even on Sundays, will, will support laying down, laying around on Sundays during football season and, and watching the games. We've all got our different teams. And so it's fun, um, you know, to be able to pick our team and root for our team on Sundays. And the reason why I'm telling you this is, is that it sets the backdrop where my older son and my younger son are about the same are they're the age the, the age difference is about the same as my two daughters and what we've learned is from that 14 to that 6 phase right so that that double that 6 8 gap what that does is that allows the kids to still be competitive and play with each other and hang out and do stuff but it doesn't it's it's old enough to where it doesn't allow it to be taken too far like there's no blood there's fights but there's no blood right um, and the younger one will get competitive enough and like nippy and the older one will be patient enough and then shut it down. And so it creates the perfect dynamic. I'm just so lucky to have this, this dynamic. And so, um, my oldest son, his name's Elijah and he is what I would say is a sober child. So Elijah, you'll never see him on my social media. You'll never see him in the limelight. He has no desire to want to, it's not that he doesn't you know, enjoy those things. He just doesn't like it. And so watching my son, Elijah, be an awesome leader, but be quiet and be the guy in the background and be the silent um, force for good has been so interesting for me to learn and observe because I like the cameras. I like the light. I like, this is where I feel I can really put my leadership to good use, where he does it from, 
the background. And it's been a super cool learning experience for me where I can learn from my kids. And my son, Mosiah, we call him Mo. My son, Mo, um, like I said, he's six and he also is sober. But the word I would use for Mo is, is tender. Mo is, is a tender child. And, um, He's super tough. He's all boys. He, he gets in and gets dirty, but he is, he's got a very soft heart. And um, it's unique because my girls, my girls could be president of the United States. My girls could are going to be CEOs. I got no, no doubt that my girls are going to be running things. Uh, they say what they feel. They say what they think. They say what they don't think. They'll be in your face like they're get it done type of girls. My boys are are just the opposite of me, which has been so good for me um, to watch because they're both very powerful leaders in their own right, and I'm going to share the story. So what does football have to do with this? Well, my oldest son, when he was uh, born and raised, we were living on the East Coast and in the Carolinas, and we were running a company that we sold to another business, and they had front row seats in a box at the Panther Stadium. So my son Elijah's first NFL game was at a Panthers game, and so he's we're big Cam Newton fans, we're big um, Carolina fans, and that was his first game. So he's got this affinity for being there, and that was a really fun experience for him. And so we've always cheered for the Panthers. Um, on the opposing side, my son Mo, um, he is an Arizona Cardinals fan. Why Cardinals, for a couple reasons. One is that I am a huge Washington football team fan, historically speaking. Redskins fan. Yes, HTTR, for sure, no doubt. Um, and if you've watched these podcasts before, you're probably saying, well, B, I heard, I think uh, you said that you have native blood and, and history. Why would you? And the truth is, is that no native cares. about. In fact, it's almost opposite. Most natives love the Redskins because there's a difference and I'll, I'll teach you something. If you look at the logos, the look at the logo of the, the Washington team and it was a, a powerful, strong, brave, right? The face compared to the Cleveland Indians logo, which we don't like that, that face has been used on so many other races or in different tribes and everything. Um, where that's no, that's no, has nothing to do with us. And the name is Indians, which that's not us either. We're, it's Native American. So that's been a big thing. In fact, I have a lot of ties to the, the Redskins because my Native grandmothers would send me things from, you know, they would they'd send me football stuff and it was from the Redskins or they were, uh, you know, always big OU fans too. So, and my, my Native grandmother taught at University of Oklahoma um, so she was a professor there and, um, so we're always big fans of any quarterback that comes out of OU, which, so Kyler Murray's shorter and, um, my son Mo is a little bit shorter. Kyler plays quarterback, my son plays quarterback. So he really, you know, uh, relates with Kyler Murray. And so he started cheering for the Cardinals because that was the same time that the, uh, Redskins were going through their identity crisis. And so Mo said he didn't like any of that noise and he wanted to go cheer for the Cardinals because Kyler Murray was there. So that's how he became a Cardinals fan. So, um, and their birthdays are very unique too. So Elijah 
His birthday is December 18th, and Mo is October 28th. So um, for their birthdays, it's always tough because, you know, if you have a birthday that's anywhere within the Christmas time, I'm sorry, you're getting the shaft. <laughs> Elijah, if you're listening, I'm sorry, man. We always make it up. But don't kid yourself. If your birthday is December 10th, between January 1st, your parents gave you the shaft. I'm just being honest with <laughs> you from being a parent. It's just not the same. Birthdays and, and, and Christmas is happening and presents are there. So you got your gifts for Christmas. But um, so this year, my wife, being smart as she is, and she kind of knows the schedule, she was like, hey, don't the Cardinals play the Panthers like soon? Because we're thinking about what to get Mo for his birthday. And we looked at the schedule, and sure enough, on November, on November um, 14th was the game for Panthers playing the Cardinals. And um, so that's right in between their birthdays. So perfect. So we were super stoked. The other thing that kind of happened that was cool was I had, I, the reason why I haven't done this podcast in a month was I had back surgery. And not just the little one, but it was the big one. And um, that's put me back quite a bit. But um, I had swelling in my spine. And one doctor thought it was blood leaking. The other doctor thought that it was spinal fluid. So they didn't know what it was, and I couldn't fly uh, because of all the, the pressure. So we just bought the tickets anyway. We just moved forward with it, um, praying that it would it subside. And the Lord works in mysterious ways. And two days before we're supposed to fly, the swelling starts to, to decrease, which was super awesome. And I'm so grateful. You start noticing the little things, even with this horrible situation that is, you know, is supposedly happening in my back. Um, you find the little things to be grateful for. And that was a huge one for us. So... Um, this is the backdrop. So a lot of fun ex experiences, a lot of great times. We hop on a plane. We get in at like midnight. There's no rental cars that are sold out. Hotels are, are booked. Uh, we didn't. We didn't. We finally got to a bed around like 4:30 a.m. So we had a blast. A lot of fun. Great memories will never be forgotten. Well, the part of this story I want to talk about is it's Mo's first NFL game, and he was super excited. Furthermore, he was convinced that he would meet D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kyler Murray and give them five. And they had brought their own money, and they, we went and bought jerseys, and Mo wanted a D-Hop jersey, DeAndre Hopkins, so that when he gives D-Hop high five, D-Hop will notice that they're wearing the same jersey and come give him high five. Because he had watched you know, NFL on television, and he thought that all young kids would run to the, get to go to the field, and as the players are leaving, they give him high five. So he was like totally convinced. And I tried to like play it down. Like, he's like, Dad, do you think if D Hop sees me and he notices that we're wearing the same jersey, he'll definitely give me a high five, right? And I'm like, Yeah, man, if he, if he sees you, like, if he sees you though, dude, <laughs> like, calm down. So I was trying to like let him have a, you know, like make sure that his dreams were in, in check, but that it may not happen. Um, so we get there and we got good seats. We were like ninth row right behind the Cardinals, and the first thing that was sad was that D-Hop, K-Murray, and J.J. Watt all were injured, so they didn't even get a play. So Mo was a little bit let down on that and um, noticeably was disappointed. The thing about Mo is he's not very vocal when he's disappointed and because he, he doesn't like to complain. I've been a big advocate of teaching my kids about complaining, 
and how it does nothing. Um, and so, but I knew that he was mad about that. So was I. So um, we get there and we've got our seats and the guys behind us and we got there on the first play. So the, the, what was awesome was it was Cam Newton's first game back and we love Cam. So Cam scores on the third down, Cam, Cam scores for a touchdown. We're going crazy. And the refs, I mean, being honest, the refs were not like super great. And they weren't in favor of the Cardinals. Now, if you know anything about football, Cardinals are ranked number one in their division. I think they're ranked number one in the AFC right now. And also, um, they were seven and two, so they had the best record. And so um, we were they're on a roll. And um, so this game was really not good. And they were getting beat up. And so the guys behind us were already a little bit buzzed by the time we sat down at play number one. So as the game got further into the game, the fans got louder. The refs became the focal point of a lot of animosity. And the guys behind us got increasingly more intoxicated. So it was just a funny mix, right? Well, I looked over and saw Mo was had his legs up on the chair and his jersey was up around his ears. And I'm, Mo, you okay? Mm-hmm. Mo, what's wrong? Like, and this is where I say he was a tender kid. Um, and as the guys behind us got more belligerent, and I remember even like turning around, like, dude, like, come on. Like, I remember looking around and I looked at the guy, like, dude. He's like, what? And I'm like, I got kids, man. Like, just tone it down a little bit. And then he was like eating peanuts and dropping the peanuts right below the, the chairs. So they were dropping all on our floor. He had no crumbs underneath his feet, and we were two bags of peanuts worth. It was just turning into this, like, belligerent situation that I was getting a little agitated with. F-bombs started flying. These guys got worse and worse. And Mo pulls on my my jersey and looks at me and says, says, Dad, why does everyone hate the refs? And I'm like, and now Mo isn't, like, you know, he's not new to this. Like, he plays sports. He's in a competitive basketball league. He plays AAU. Um, he he just, his team lost in the championship for flag football. And so he's super involved in football. He knows all about referees. Uh, the refs didn't give us great calls the last game. So he's, he's very knowledgeable about refs. And so he knows why people, but it was a different, it was a different question. It was, why does everyone hate the refs? And obviously it was magnified by the guys behind us. But um, I remember saying, um, dude, it's fine. Like, they're they're refs. They're used to it. And Elijah goes, yeah, Mo, they're used to it. Like, just enjoy the game. And Mo looked at me and said, I don't know anyone that would get used to that kind of hate. This kid's six. And I was taken, I was taken back. That here he is observant and observant from their perspective. And he put me in check. Here he is observing this hate and animosity towards a group of people for no reason. And something about that mob mentality in the game is, is once one paper yells, you know, drops an F-bomb at the referee, you suck. It's so much easier for everyone else to kick someone when they're down. And we've all been there. Like if there's a group that's mobbing on something, why wouldn't you just walk up and kick them 
and run away. Like you've all been there. It would, I yelled stuff at the ref in that, come on ref, right? You, we've all been in that scenario. And so I was just absolutely taken back at, at Mo's observation and how much it was affecting him. That was what was like, was, was really interesting. And so I put him on my lap and he was sitting there and just it, the hate was, was getting strong. People were yelling more crappy things about the refs. And out of nowhere, it, got, it was quiet. And Mo yells, I love you, ref. And I look at Mo and I look at Elijah. And we're like, I said, what'd you say? He said, I said, I love you, ref. I said, All right, that's cool, man. Yeah, that's cool. Like, whoever says I love you, ref, why would you ever say that? And I just, even now, I can't stop smiling about it. I was just so taken back at his, his, um, leadership in, in feeling a certain way about something and standing up for how he felt at his core. About five minutes later, he says it again, louder. I love you, ref. And the lady ahead of us, she she said, okay, good job, ref. Two minutes later, he says, now he starts cheering the refs on. Like the refs make a good call. The guy behind us goes, about time. And Mo says, great call, 3-9, great call. Take those calls all day, baby, all day. And if you've ever, if you know my son Mo, he gets into football, right? And he was cheering on these refs and their good calls. He wanted those refs to feel good and feel included because no one ever gets used to that, that type of hate, as my, my six-year-old put me in check. And here I am. And now three people, four, five, six, seven people are cheering on the refs. And I watched a six-year-old. By saying, I love you, ref, disband a mob, a drunken mob, and turn the whole perspective on something that was negative and brought love into a place that it shouldn't have been. It was amazing. And I was so, I'm still so shocked at, at how that all played out. I'm so proud of my son. I'm so proud that he would step up for what he believed was right in his core. And Right and wrong is interesting. The older I get, I think I believe less in this idea of right or wrong. I believe that there are situations and we have experiences and where we come from and um, perspective and snapshots and intent. There's a lot of things that go into right and wrong. And the more experiences I have, the more I, I get into this belief system that I don't really know if right or wrong is, is an accurate statement. But what I do know is that the mob mentality and how you tell a true leader is when there is a mob mentality that energy begets energy. So if you have, it's like heat or, or, or cold, lack of heat, right? Which as you gain heat and you need a log to heat up, you put another log next to it. And as the heat goes back and forth and transfers, it will play on each other and it will grow, expand, right? If you want to kill it, kill the, the energy, you disband, you separate it, you isolate it, you, you put it on reservations, you reserve it away, you put it oh, in, in different spots, right? You don't let them communicate, and, and then you let that thing die down. 
Same thing with cold. If you want a, if you want an ice cube to melt, you you separate it from all the other ice cubes. And and, and even with Mo and Elijah, actually, I, I learned this this winter. I was teaching them. We were shoveling, and we were talking about how to get those those thin lines to melt quickly. And I was telling them about making sure you separate it from the big ice blocks. A story for another day. We're breaking up the ice. And I said, separate it so the big ice blocks go away and the snow will melt because you you have to pull it away from the, the like energy. So true leadership is when you pull the energy away. The thing that stands alone and continues to have independent energy is leadership. That it doesn't matter. It's independent of what anyone else says or believes to be true. The thing that you believe in your core and you, the more you stand to that is true leadership. Even if no one else sees you. When no one else sees you, that's true leadership. The refs may never know what my son Mo did for them. They probably never heard him. They'll never hear this. They may never even have any idea that there was a six-year-old boy that said, I love you, ref, that caused a group of 100 people in Section 111 that were cheering or not cheering and, and, and violently protesting the referee's display of officiating, that he separated this mob with love. He infused love and compassion in a place where it shouldn't have been. And leadership flourished. He showed leadership by standing up for what he felt was independently right by his soul, his core, right? Whether that's right or wrong, it's independent for him. He did what he felt was right. Even when I didn't, I was like, Mo, it's, it's cool, man. Don't worry about it. I love you, ref. He stood up for what he believed. That's leadership. The more people that you can influence for the good will be the proof, like I said earlier, in your leadership ability, right? If leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less, and you can influence, if a six-year-old can influence a hundred people to get them to cheer for the perceived enemy, what does that tell you if you have something that you're working for every day? You just got to be bold enough and brave enough to stand up for that thing that you believe in. He believed in, in enough. He didn't, he didn't like the hate enough where he stood up for it. That's, that's, that's legit. That's truth. That's, that's leadership. And so that's my new definition, is that when the energy disbands and you independently stand up for what you believe to resonate with your soul, you will have leadership whether anyone else follows you, because they will follow you eventually, even if your own dad doesn't think it's cool at first. But then I quickly got on his side very quick. So, no, we didn't get any high fives from D-Hop. Um, no, we didn't see K. Murray. They didn't, they didn't come out. We learned a thing or two. The, the other funny part was at the end when Mo realized that uh, we weren't going to uh, get high fives from D-Hop. He was holding back the tears, and he goes, um, Dad, uh, he's like, you think? He's like, next time, next time, I'll make sure that they see me, and, and 
and uh, I'll give him a high five next time, okay? I'm like, oh, I do. <laughs> okay, we'll do it, my man. I just feel so bad as a dad. You want to give your kids everything. But um, shout out to Jeremy Chin. We actually did go down on the field afterwards. Um, and the Panthers came through, and, and Jeremy Chin, my son was wearing his number 2-1 jersey. So he came over and said, nice jersey, man, and got a picture with my son. Um, and shout out to Tremble. Um, he ended up uh, giving us one of his gloves because it was my son's birthdays, like I was telling you. So that was cool. So we had a cool um, experience there. But Mo didn't get to high-five D-hop, and that was his birthday wish. And so it was kind of nice to watch our kids to see them stand up for what was right, even though the situation wasn't what they thought it was. He could have been disappointed on so many levels, but he still stood up for what he felt was, was right, which was super cool. So there's my, there is my, my lesson on leadership. Um, you know, even sometimes when you feel that no one else would care and no one else is watching, even when people that are in charge tell you that you are okay, it's whatever resonates with your soul independently. Like I had said, I remember one time in high school, um, there was a couple of my buddies that figured out that they could reach their arm up in the pop machine and yank out these these pops. I walked in on them doing it, and I was like, oh, man, I don't want to do that, but I'll sell the pops. So I'd sell the pops like 25 cents cheaper. Well, we were sitting in history class, and um, – they came in, the police officers came in and pulled my two buddies out. And there was, you know, the starting five on the basketball team. And there was my two buddies and they got pulled out and they got suspended. They came back in super mad. And I'm like, dude, you think I'm going to get caught? And they're like, don't say anything. You're fine. We can't afford you not to play. And um, Evan went to my coach and I said, hey, coach, hypothetically, let's say that someone else was involved in that that didn't steal them but was involved in selling them do you think that, that that person should go turn himself in? And the coach is like, you talking about you? <laughs> I'm like, mm, mm, uh, maybe. He's like, if it's you uh, and they didn't catch you, and they, they knew about you, obviously, but they let you go, don't even worry about it. I was like, all right, thanks, coach. And I remember being like, God, why did that coach tell me that? Why did he tell me that? It still wore on my soul. So for the rest of the day, it wore on me, and it kept bothering me. So I turned myself in, and I walked up, and I said, hey, I didn't steal them. This is what I did. And the principal was like, I wish you wouldn't have told me that. <laughs> uh, small town, sports were everything. And um, he ended up, I only got suspended for one and a half games because I, I came in at halftime. Um, but uh, I felt, I remember just saying that and felt like, Massive relief, like weight off my shoulders because I did what I felt was right independently when everyone else was against it. Um, another another story was when I was in, in college. I remember it was super busy, had the, the basketball thing, and I was taking 26 credits. I just had the surgery on my knee, so I doubled up on my credits, which was dumb. And I was in accounting, you know, 230 class, and advanced and I didn't have time to study for this one final. And I remember it was all snowing and I was stressed out. I was on crutches and I just, I prayed. I was like, dear God, please bless me to have a mirror. I need a miracle. And I remember going to the class and we had the test in the, in the classroom, not in the testing center. So 
I remember sitting down and the smartest kid in the class sat like what in front of me, caddy corner, and uh, his test was right on the back corner of his his desk, and I could see everything. I remember being like, "Thank you, God! Like this is the answer to my prayers. You're letting me see his test. Like this is amazing." <laughs> <laughs> and in that moment, I actually believe this was an answer to my prayers. Oh, that was it was awesome. And so, uh, so I, I I did it. And I remember again that war on my soul. And I went to a devotional that afternoon. And the opening line was came right out of Job. And if you know anything about the story of Job, this man had his 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 whole house turn on him. He had everything, and then he had his whole house turn on him. His wife lost his kids. Like he got tried to the limit, right? He, this man had everything and then lost everything. And um, the line that just stuck out to me was, till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. And I've that's always been in my mind. I, I'll never forget that because I remember hearing that that scripture get quoted, till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. And that's leadership. I remember thinking, sitting there like, okay, I, 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 I will learn this lesson one more time. And I went to the, the professor and I remember walking in, Professor Blanchard, and I said, hey, professor, I want to tell you that that test was not my test. Those answers were not my answers. Um, you can do whatever you want from me. You can do whatever you need to me. You can fail me. I'll retake the class. I'll do whatever is necessary, but I cheated on that test. And um, he said, well, uh, everyone actually didn't do well. A few people passed. You were one of them. <laughs> I was like, gosh, shoot. But he said, I'm going to give everyone an opportunity to retake the test anyway. So if you want to retake the test, there's your chance. He's like, I already made my mind up. There was the miracle. I remember being, oh, but I let that off my chest. And he's like, well, let's talk about this cheating thing. <laughs> and I got in trouble. But I was grateful for that experience to know that do what is do what you feel is right. Let the consequences follow whatever come what may. So later on in life, there was an experience where at, I was at a company and some things were happening. And um, they wanted me to do and say some things against certain individuals that wasn't 100% accurate or true. And it got, there was a lot of things that were put on the line. My job, stock options, money. Um, and that line hit me back again. Till I die, I will not remove my integrity from me. That decision ended up going on costing me, you know, a couple millions of dollars, $2 million actually. But I've never felt happier in a decision when I resigned from that position. And I just felt that same weight lift off my shoulders. There's not an amount that you can put on your shoulders when you look in that mirror and you realize that you did what leadership requires not for anyone else other than yourself, for what you know. Because if you can't look yourself in the mirror and you can't look in your eyes yourself and know that you did what you needed to do for that situation, for what independently, what independent truth requires for your soul, 
again, not right or wrong, but independent truth for your soul, then you know you can start forging your way in leadership. And that's not something you learn at once. That's not, it just isn't an event. Leadership is not an event. Leadership is a process over and over and over. Leadership was my son Mo knowing and loving people regardless, us, us raising him where he's around lots of different people that are hated on and teaching that love is most important and him being that byproduct where he's okay standing up and sticking up for the, the little guy. That's leadership. So my definition has been redefined. Hopefully that helps. Hopefully that gives you guys some insight on and share something with you. Hope those stories, those stories resonated. But those were some really impactful moments in my life that have really helped define my goals and my vision in leadership. Signing off. Till next time. It's your man, B. Holmes. Thank you for listening to the Doors to Success podcast. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe for more. Visit bholmes.com for more information on how you can join the B-Print.